0: Welcome to the Success IQ podcast, the show for entrepreneurs wanting to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson. For those of you who are new to the show, welcome. I'm an expert in performance and mindset, supporting business owners to create exceptional results in life and business. And I achieve this through coaching, training, speaking, and my online programs. I started this podcast to discover how other thought and business leaders create and enjoy success and to identify the common strategies and techniques as well as the mindset they have adopted to live their version of exceptional. My aim is simple. It's for you to learn and implement the valuable lessons shared in these episodes. You deserve to live and enjoy an exceptional life, but in order to achieve this, you will need to adopt new strategies and ways of thinking to accomplish your goals. Now, don't forget to hit that subscribe button to make sure you don't miss any of these brilliant episodes. Head over to jeffnicholson.co.uk to register for my Kick Mediocrity in the Nuts newsletter, as well as all you need to know on how to connect with me on social media or join the Facebook group. Now, on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I truly hope you are having an amazing week. Firstly, I hope you are all safe and well. Um, Certainly in the UK, we are blasting through the injection jabs to help us be COVID safe. And um, surprisingly enough, we've actually seen some sunshine in the Northeast of England. But let's talk about our great guest today. So today's guest is Larry Olson. Larry is an international speaker, author, Podcast host and executive coach. He has years of experience working with Fortune 50 companies, championship teams and entrepreneurs on establishing their vision and sense of purpose. Larry is passionate about providing individuals and teams quick actionable guidance on how to break ingrained ineffective habits that they did not even know were holding them back. And his best-selling book, Get a Vision and Live It, is helping people learn how to change their attitudes and
1: to align with that vision.
0: So, welcome to the show, Larry.
1: Well, thank you, Jeff. It's a it's a pleasure to be here.
0: So, Larry, before we dive into this cool conversation, could you give us a little bit of a backstory that's brought you to this point today?
1: Yeah, I um, I came. I had an interesting uh, experience at one year of age, and I was uh, pushing, just learning how to walk, pushing my sister in the stroller, who was three years older than I was, and you probably think that sounds odd or or was she just enjoying being in the stroller, but, um, it got my parents out of denial and they recognized that something either this guy's a superstar or there's something wrong with Carol. And they had her tested. And this is back way back when and they stamped a label on her forehead called mentally retarded. They don't even use that term now. It's differently abled, gifted. But it it brought me up with a totally different perspective because I became very curious about why do people have to be mean-spirited? And as little kids when they don't understand something they they make fun of it or they tease and I got into a lot of fights, but I also got into following trying to figure out what what happened with my sister and is there something wrong with me, which got me into neuropsychology, basically, on, on how we think and why things happen to us the way they do and how to, how to go about making changes. And so that was kind of the beginning. And I didn't recognize it at the time, but it did give me a different way of, of looking at life and recognizing the power of labels. And
0: um, how long have you been doing this with your with your company
1: i've be 26 years in may wow okay and your company's got a really interesting name that's right a so what does a per, what does that actually mean well when when you get it it actually means new perspective and and it's a hybrid term of the aperture of the cameras how we get the image in how we see life if you will and neo in latin is new so you put them together and it's new perspective. And how I like to define it is to be able to look at the same differently. We we develop attitudes as we go through life and as leaders we develop attitudes about the people we work with, our clients, and we don't recognize that attitudes are learned behavior. And it has over 100% impact on performance. It just doesn't kind of affect it. It dominates it. Genetics plays about 18% of who we are, and the other 82% is learned behavior. And what happens is, unfortunately, it's all unconscious. So we're making decisions more based on what's happened in the past than what the opportunities are that are present right in front of us now. Yeah, that's fascinating.
0: And it's amazing how... When you, I certainly catch myself, and I actually catch my boys as well, that I do habits that I saw my dad do and my granddad do, um, and possibly even the beliefs that we had. Although I'd like to think I've changed and become a little bit more open-minded than they did, but it's, but it's, it, it's an amazing how much that we bring, how we live is based on a, is is based on the coding that they have brought from their previous generations as well.
1: Absolutely. Those preconceived notions. And, and the best term I've ever used for it is a, is a term that's Greek for blind spot. It's called scotoma, S-C-O-T-O-M-A. And, and it actually is, is right in front of us, but we can't see it. And that occurs, for instance, when, how many times, Jeff, does somebody have to sh- show up late for you to start to believe this person can't be on time?
0: I'm pretty bad at that. It's it's one I'm not really very, yeah,
1: I'm not very good at
0: people being late because I was always told it was disrespectful.
1: Absolutely. So we have this reptilian brain called the amygdala, right? Where the fight, flight, freeze comes into play. And it's all about protecting us so we can continue to propagate the species and 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 exist and hopefully exist safely. So it picks up all of these different experiences we've had in our lives. And whenever a new event happens, we associate it based on what's already taken place. And unfortunately, those emotions are stored as well. So most of the decisions people make, 95% of them are based on what's already happened, not what's possible. So let's go back to this guy who's late. What happens when this guy shows up on time? People get sarcastic. You know, they'll go, what's your watch break? You know, I mean, because they can't believe it. But it only took one time for them to be late. And now they've developed this globalized version, even though they witnessed punctuality right in front of them. Why didn't they change their mind? That's how quickly we form beliefs. And look how limiting that can be on, now we know how much that person can make a year and how good that one is in sales. And, and this one needs to stay in the back room because, and we don't even question or challenge those.
0: No, it's, it's interesting because um, I've, got, I've got two things. One, if someone comes up and tells me the truth while they're late, I will generally go, oh, that's fine. Or if you're gonna be late, just give us a call before. And that's fine. Um, I've got a friend who cannot stand people being early, and I find I find that bizarre because it's like if someone says be there at eleven o'clock, I'll be probably outside sitting in my car at half past ten, because and because I, I can work in the car, everything's fine. But I was, and again, it's it's that coding that I always remember my my grandfather saying: if people don't turn up late, they don't have any respect for you. So. Move on, and I can hear his voice now saying it as I'm thinking, maybe I' need to give them an extra go another, another another time, but it is really interesting how that kicks in,
1: yeah, it is you know and and guess what's happening to the person that busted their buns to finally show up on time? They didn't hit the snooze alarm, you know they they got to bed early, and then everybody gets sarcastic in their mind, they're going, what difference does it make whether I show up on time or not? They're still going to treat me the same way. So this is where it starts to affect the bottom line in a company. And one of the one of the things that can people can do immediately is, is what's the story? You know, before you punish somebody or hold them back from participating in the bonuses over the weekend or whatever, unfortunately, we want to do that's that's punitive. Um, Find out what happened, and this is a great teaching and great uh, coaching skill as well. As nine times out of ten, you'll re- you'll be grateful you didn't call them out, especially in front of everyone.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And how and how, you know, when you're looking at these easy, these sort of simple strategies and stuff. Um, that goes down to a leadership skill, doesn't it? Really? And being being able to, I don't know whether it's even named as command command and control. I think that's just down to you know being decent in some ways and trying to embarrass someone. But where where do you think that starts to sort of relook at the way that you as a or we as a leader can help develop our business
1: well, I think it starts with awareness like like anything, right? We have to recognize we 're doing it. I mean, just like you said you you had awareness to the fact that how influential these beliefs were that you brought up had and sometimes maybe you 're even utilizing them with your with your sons is is that asking yourself, is that in the best interest of them, or did it happen to be convenient at the time? and questioning some of these beliefs, but also having them bounce off of something that is what you're trying to accomplish as an organization. And that's what's your vision. Uh, why do you have an organizational life? Why are you doing what you're doing? And more, more often than not, the revenue is a byproduct. And the more that we are paying attention to these beliefs, habits, attitudes, expectations, the more opportunity we have to influence the bottom line, but now we're influencing it through our people as opposed to just people being a means to getting those those things that we're looking for in an organization. And this this whole judgmental mentality starts out at a very early age, because if you think about the first paper you got back in school, had everything circled in red, you did what? So, right? So what were we taught to focus on? And now as adults, we're still doing it.
0: I still remember now of being put in the corner because I wasn't very good at school. Um, and because of my dyslexia, I kind of like just, well, I just daydreamed, really. But I was put into the corner because I couldn't be taught, according to the teacher, and um, and in in, in 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 retrospect, she was just a crap teacher. Um, but it's but it's you know you look at my wife's a teacher. T- but you didn't know that then. No, I didn't. I, didn't, I knew what I thought of her, um, but I certainly <laughs> didn't know she was a crap teacher. Um, <laughs> I think I probably would have been kicked out of the school if I told her what I thought of her. But you know, it's I think it's but the other interesting thing is is this is is the idea of vision. So you know, I think people as you know, as a coach, vision is one of those things that we always talk about. But one of the things that always perplexes me is when I go into bigger companies and I have that, you know, the company's vision statement on the wall. I've mentioned this in a couple of episodes. Um, and half the time the CEO doesn't even know what their vision is, but they've spent a hell of a lot of money to get this vision statement done. And and their culture does not, it's not the, the congruency of what they say to the outside is nothing to what they say to the inside. And I personally, I think that's criminal because no one, if the if the company leaders don't know what it is, no one's going to know. And I think the jan- from the janitor right the way up, they should all be moving on the same page.
1: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more.
0: And what, what do you, what, why do you think that is? What, what part of the, uh, you know, because it doesn't matter whether it's the US or the UK, you know, or, or wherever else in the world. What do you think the reason is, is that they go, okay, I'll pay X amount of thousands of dollars or whatever on this plaque, because it looks good. Um, but actually don't, congruently move up through it?
1: You know what I believe the answer is? They don't know any better. Yeah, good point, okay. I mean, because once somebody recognizes that if if you allow the people in your organization to participate in the development of how we wanna treat each other, which would be our guiding principles, why do we even have a, a, a organizational life to begin with, which is the purpose statement? And why are we doing all of this? What's our outcome, which is vision? We, we realize that if you get everybody involved, now they're fighting for their own sanity because that's the job of the human species is we want to be right. We want to be trying to think that the way we're going through life is, is, is successful and it's going to allow us to grow and to prosper. And, you know, we get all of these old beliefs that you got to hire a consultant, bring them in, pay two hundred thousand dollars, and and then it, like you say, it goes in a drawer and they never look at it again. And then they and then what they do is they try to get everybody else to act like it when they recognize that they're not modeling it themselves. And you know that's why people leave bosses, not jobs, is because of the hypocrisy and the discrepancy. And I'm supposed to do it, but you're not. And so that's, that's one of the elements that everyone that can do right now is to ask yourself, what kind, of, what kind of beliefs am I trying to bring into fruition? And the question to ask yourself is, okay, this belief, and now here's the frame of reference, is that belief going to bring out the best in my people? And if it's not, why are you doing it?
0: No, yeah, absolutely. Do you think it's uh, the younger generation, you know, all these sort of, and and, and even if we look at quite a lot of new software companies and stuff, they seem to be more driven by that than the older, more established companies. They they seem to have this um, bigger awareness of how it's going to affect people. And it isn't about working at the office until... 11 o'clock at night and being in the office at five o'clock in the morning or whatever it is, they seem to have this more um, open way of looking at how, and they seem to understand the power of culture as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, you know, all, of, all the studies that Gallup has done keeps talking about the fact that with a millennial, for instance, and, and they, they, you know, they did a lot of that because that's a large majority of the workforce, it's, it's, it's purpose over profit and it's, it's a, a sense of I'm a, I'm a part of something greater than self. Um, that's why generally there's, there's two to three years is the average that they're going to stay at any particular job. And, that's, and that, I believe, is not because of the millennial. I believe that's the offerings or lack of that these jobs have for people. You know, there's not a lot of growth and development mindset unless you're in a younger company, which is still very passionately driven. But once that company at 10 becomes 10,000, it's a different articulation of how do we get everybody to buy into what it was easy to do when there was a small group of us. And the larger we get, the more imperative it is that we have links to our people and their ideas and what their thoughts are. And and you can't look at it as soft factors and touchy-feely any longer because they move big numbers.
0: I remember working for a, a printing company and we were relatively small and then we really expanded probably two times to what they were. And I remember being in the office and it was we're not a family anymore we're, we're, were why why we're not a family anymore and it was you know the I guess the pressure was more on the turnover had to dramatically increase they were going for you know bigger type jobs so we weren't able to do what we were doing but what you noticed is is that the um the the family feel of wanting to help each other kind of like disappeared and it more went into no you do your bit we'll do our bit and never the, never the twain shall meet so to speak and it was it was a very weird shift that just it literally felt like it just happened overnight
1: yeah yeah well you know it's it's staggering to think there's two types of motivation there's have to and want to correct and in corporate america today 95% of them still operate from have to from the hierarchical struggle, I, I had Pepsi as a client at one point and and they had a six story um, commissary and the bottom floor was, you know, taco time and all of these, you know, just about anything you want to eat. The executives ate on the sixth floor and they decided they were going to inverse the pyramid. And they were going to put, you know, have the the executives on the bottom supporting all of the, you know, thirty five thousand associates, and and the attitude at the time was, I worked my ass off to get to this point. You think I'm now going to cow toe to these people? And it was this these people was the terminology. Now that's not just that wasn't anything wrong with Pepsi. That was what happens in a corporation. And so when you make the shift, because here's what's so interesting. Any idea what percentage of your performance, everything you're capable of, Jeff, you're able to realize when you're working from a have to? Less than 10% of what you're capable of. Guess what you're capable of when you're coming from a want to? yeah it's actually a symbol and it's a symbol of infinity the, there's the only limitation is the one you place on yourself and yeah. and so when you think about the edge people have that are listening to this when they shift from have twos which is a fear-based organization and fear remember now is not with a gun to your head fear is a sense of loss So the reason I'm going to go to that meeting is so I'm not disrespected. The reason I'm going to be on time is so I'm not perceived as it's a have to. I'm going to do this so I don't lose something. Now, when you shift to value, and this is what's interesting. Most of those companies are comparing themselves to one another. Which is a very broken model. But when you go into value, why would I want to show up to work? Why would I want to be on time? Why do I want to raise my sons to be healthy, mature, you know, entrepreneurs? Why would I want to? And it, it, as you know, it's it's the sky's the limit. And when companies operate from that. People are free to now share ideas and the ideas you get from your people are going to send you far, far further than staying up late at night trying to figure out how you're going to resolve something for yourself.
0: Yeah, there's a there's a with some, well, I would call, generally call them poor leaders. There's an arrogance that thinks that they can come up with all the answers and they ignore the amazing wisdom and experience that. Staff and let's just use customer services. If you're not in customer services and the day to day, day to day running of it, you're not going to see the little nuances and the little systems that could be put in place, unless you ask. And they're not even not even the leaders of of the the team leaders of customer service, but the the people who are answering the phone, they're the ones that are going to be able to answer those questions. And there's that arrogance of going, look, I know it all. I'm I'm the boss. So you know and I, and I, it's 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 saddening sometimes because i've been into a few companies where they they kind of like get you in to deal with the, the whether it's dealing with mindset or the stress side or whatever and they're just looking for a tick they're not looking to generally help the staff out to go let's let let lift you up so you can get the solutions rather than look all i need to know is is can i tick this thing and we can get a certificate because then it
1: says look we're trying and it's appalling and then you send them you send that person to a seminar where they learn that they need to ask their emplo- their employees but they only ask questions they already know the answer to so they they don't quite get it and and again it's not hard to understand it's it's and this is something i teach leaders is the first step in being a great leader is to get over yourself Now that doesn't mean you're not amazing and you're not a great human being, but it's, as you know, it's not about you. It's about making, creating an environment where my people can succeed.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. I, I, when I work with my clients, one of the areas we look at is, is getting rid of the ego because the ego is that brick wall. Perfect example is, is when you talk about vision or purpose, you know, which let's be honest, you know, I could probably pick 30 personal development books off my bookshelf and it'll have purpose or, or vision in it. And yet, when you speak to someone and they go, Oh, you're not on about this anymore. And it's like, Hang on, let's just try and get things straight. If there are so many people mentioning it, there's a reason why they are mentioning it. And that is because it works. It doesn't have to, if it, you know, There's people who may go, no, it doesn't work for me. And it's like, that's fine. But that could be a belief mechanism, not actually you've sat down and you've worked on your vision and your purpose. Because 90% of the people that say it doesn't work are the people that go, I've just read it in a book and gone, I can't be asked.
1: Yes. And, And you know what else happens? Whenever you bring up vision, guess what the first thing people think? Goal. They, they confuse them, and they're as different in night as night and day. But that's how most people, your lips are moving about vision, and they're going, hey, I know what goals are. He's just got yeah. a
0: different name yeah. for it, right? Yeah, no, you're right. Absolutely, yeah. It is. It's, and it's, a, it's amazing how many – well, it's down to that fixed and growth mindset. It's, there's people who believe they are a growth mindset, but actually when they start doing the work or they're held accountable to do the work – you know they they you know they're, they're still stapling down the the ground pegs to keep them steady because they they've got no they've got no want to move forward or their ego is saying don't do this because either i am better than that or i'm looking for a magic pill and there is no magic pill
1: oh no, no or they're afraid the house of cards is going to come falling down which is really unfortunate because that's not the work that you do to begin with you're not there to hire and fire and to find out who's not doesn't get it you're there to to hope people have the openness enough to be willing to do things that actually work right yeah
0: because it's it's all it, yeah it's, it's always an interesting one when you're going through things and it's quite it's quite interesting when you when you yeah. as i've been doing this for, for so long that the, the the set questions where you ask them and there's always a common that 90% of the time there's a common thread that flows through it and that's what I found fascinating yet you can say that and go look out of 168 people or 250 people I've interviewed 93% have said this works look that's rubbish <laughs> right okay it's rubbish absolutely but it, it is very very interesting especially when you start talking about the purpose and the vision of things. So just before we jump over to the second part for you where where do for you where would you say people start? Would you say they start on purpose first or vision first? Uh,
1: well, I think I think the the one that doesn't change is 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 vision, excuse me, is purpose. You know, if 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 my purpose is to bring out the best in others because it brings out the best in myself, then I can apply that to anything. And they use NASA as an example. The purpose of NASA is to explore the heavens. That's why they didn't get in the railroad industry. And when Pepsi got into the food industry, they screwed it up big time when they bought Colonel Sanders and had other adventures. So they recognized we're a beverage company. And then they got into bottled water. You know, I mean, the rest is history. So it's, it's again, start with why you're doing what you're doing. You know, as Simon Sinek, you know, popularized the why in life, but if you start with asking yourself, you know, what what are the outcomes we want? Why do we exist? Why is the customer excited that we're on this planet? And, and then you can start, what kind of mission do we want to go on? Or what, what do we want our overall vision to be? And for the next five years or the next 10 years, and, and vision is vision is the ultimate outcome goals are steps to get there. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that.
0: Brilliant. Okay. So let's go on to the second part of the show. This is why I ask you a set of questions. So are you ready, sir?
1: I am ready, sir.
0: Okay. First question is: On average, how much time roughly do you dedicate to self-development a week?
1: Uh, I do about two hours a day, so that's ten hours a week. Okay,
0: brilliant. Uh, do you have a specific modality that you like? Do you listen to or read or?
1: I I I I I read primarily. You know, I'll listen and um, uh, and I do and I meditate.
0: Cool. Excellent. Okay. Book number two at book number two. Question number two is what book has made the biggest impact to your self-development or personal growth and why?
1: Um, well, this, this dates me, but back in the 60s, I was a junior in college and I was doing my laundry at a laundromat and there was a book somebody had left and I grabbed it and it was called, uh, Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. It, um, it really got me to thinking, it put a lot together for me on my sister, and it really kind of began a real serious endeavor on finding out more about our brain and our mind and how we perceive things.
0: Um, number three, what app makes the biggest impact to your business or personal life? I'd have to say Kindle. Well, could better having that than 3,000 books in your case. That's yes, right. You wouldn't allow that in the plane. No. Um, would, okay. <laughs> Number four, what's your biggest business mistake that turned into a valuable lesson and what did it teach you?
1: Uh, never take on a client for money only. The uh, When I was earlier in my business, I, I needed the money and so I would ignore a lot of signals. Um, one big signal is go make my people better. And I recognized that if if leadership, if founders, if the ones that are the heads of the organizations aren't willing to go through the work, and be the model, it's not going to work. And so it turned into a nightmare nightmare client.
0: You, your gut, your gut kind of like tells you something, but you go, no, no, that's not right. Funny enough, I had I had a guest. I think it was three episodes ago, and he said he got warning bells when he walked in, and the guy said, "This is our coaching is going to fix you all." <laughs> yeah. that was that was so the morning bells run without yeah i know exactly what you mean um, question number 5 is what are your challenges in harmonizing work and life and how do you manage them
1: well i think you know w- the pandemic has brought this to everybody that when you're working at home it's it's so easy not to put any b- boundaries or parameters on it and, and cuz are never going to get everything done anyway uh, otherwise what what are you doing you're checking boxes off so I um, I you know I get up at six thirty and I and I start my reading and my meditation because I want to make sure I'm ready for the day instead of scrambling, and then by um, and then we take ninety minutes. My wife and I we go for a hike or we we do something together, and then we get back at it. And by five we shut her down and we. Uh, we will watch a movie together. We'll play a game. We'll decide on the next recipe we want to cook. So that's that's kind of how we're bringing the balance back into our lives.
0: Yeah, I know from people I've spoken to and and, and clients and stuff, that's been the biggest challenge, um, especially because we're in – well, actually, no, as of today, we're not on full lockdown. Um, but we've been on, like, literal lockdown, can't leave the home, can only go five miles, Um and it's some of my clients. Uh, spoke to one the other day. They've literally, um, he's, he, they're kind of like crawling at the end because they've been stuck in the flat practically now for almost a year, because they, their business, their their company, who they work for, have gone look just all work from home, and their life was the commute. So they got, went and met friends in London or, or whatever else, and they weren't able to do that. So the Work-life balance doesn't mean you have to be at home. It's just trying to—it's trying to get those priorities and balance in a healthy way. So, yeah, it's been a challenge. This, and I'm pretty—I would—I hope I'm wrong, but I can see the ramifications of this going on for for quite some time and how it's aff- Or,
1: or you can look at Arizona and our governor just told everybody they don't have to wear masks anymore. Really yeah oh, yeah, go, and, go and One of my colleagues said that that's like starting a football game and you're in your own end zone and you get to your five yard line and you spike the ball.
0: Oh you might. yeah, it's like going past and not even getting the touchdown because you put it down on the wrong line.
1: Yeah well we, yeah, and we're not ready yet you know so there's so all the businesses have taken it upon themselves to require masks until we get a large enough percentage of the population vaccinated, right? or whatever
0: (laughs) question number six what advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had known starting out
1: uh i would uh never stop networking never stop feeding that funnel never stop don't ever get to the point where you think you've you got it now um i did that and uh I set up a university and a corporate client and thought I had a right another 10 year ride and, and that I would end things like that. Pandemic hit, bam, they shut the school down and um, you know, and I had not been networking. So I don't want them to recognize that late in their career. You know, they need to be, begin to recognize what got them into the party is what's going to sustain the party.
0: But Yeah. Yeah, I've made that mistake as well. And sometimes sometimes part of it is is if you I mean it's many things is you can grow too quick and you you can't chase you you've got to sort of realize that you've got to keep feeding that funnel in order for the growth to keep going. But sometimes you've got to take that step back, don't you? And just go, hang on, rather than waiting till everything's gone, do I need to do it? What where do I need to shore up and, and repair and stuff?
1: That's right. And even in, in these people over time are not going to know you any longer or they've retired or whatever, or they started another business. So it's you want to have their connections and their connections so that you're relevant.
0: And I think I think and, and I don't know what your experience is, but the, the worst networking in the world. And please don't do this. Whoever's listening and does this is the first conversation is a sales
1: pitch. <laughs> yes. no.
0: You know, it's like, hello, my name is Joe Smith, and this is what I want to sell you. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's about relationships. That's
1: right. Amen. <laughs> <I think so. laughs> Amen. Yep. Yep.
0: Question number seven is, what is your definition of
1: success? My definition of success is, is it's not um, financial independence. That's a byproduct. It's not great health, that's a byproduct. It's not wonderful relationships, that's a byproduct. And my definition of success, if you can honestly answer yes to this next question. And the question is, are you having the time of your life right now? If you can't answer yes to that, you're living a one sign as soon as, then I will. But right now I'm listening to Jeff and Larry for crying out loud. Could you pick another time? This is the only time we got is this moment now. And if we're not maximizing that, it doesn't matter what the vision is. It doesn't matter what the goals are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, number
0: eight is now we've talked roughly, we've mentioned some of your routines. Um, do you do that 6.30 meditation and the hike as much as you can on, a, on every day? Or is there, is there some of fluctuations?
1: Yeah. The hike's about, uh, four days, four days out of the, out of the week. And, uh, the, the four to six mile one is, and we've fortunate we've got mountains, you know, around us. And, um, and then, uh, what was the other part of that? I'm sorry.
0: And uh, you do the meditation as well. Is that like a daily thing?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's how I center myself. Cause there's so much going on. I love that. Okay. And have you been doing that for long? Um, I've been doing that f- not that long, probably about a- two years. Yep, kind of a novice, but I'm I'm learning.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's it's um, again when I was talking to you about those routines, meditation seems to be at the top. It, it's you know it's it's amazing. I mean, there's meditation. Some people may may use prayer, but it's it's it's, a, it's some moment where they just go, I need to get myself centered and aligned. So I can move forward. And it's it's amazing how many people do that self-care bit, especially when they're at the top of the game. You know, the I think sometimes that's the difference between high performance and people trying to get to that.
1: Well, it's hard it's hard to be available for people when you're trying to figure out what you're supposed to be doing next.
0: Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And especially when you've got that noise going on and you haven't sort of calmed it down. Because if I think is if you're if you're already having the next conversation before that person has actually spoken, you're already on a hiding to miss because you're, you're not you're not paying attention to the conversation.
1: Or you're looking for resolution and answers for the person before they've even finished. You bet. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And um, so one of the uh, uh, an additional question is um, what sort of changed within your business since COVID's? Going on, obviously, it's still going on right now. But are there any things that have gone going on that you've learned?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest biggest changes is the what I felt beginning was I would lose my influence on others because body language and tone of voice is you know they talk about it being ninety percent of our communication and the rest are the words we use. Well, that is just such BS because. Just in our energy alone, we send over 250,000 messages to the other human being before we open up our mouth. And and that's why um, who you are, as Emerson said, who you are speaks aloud, I can't hear what you're saying. So when this was taken away, the ability to be able to really feed off of one another's energy, which I felt like I was very had quite an expertise for that and had to go to this technological I'd called Zoom or whatever medium you use. I began to feel in the beginning it was eliminating things, but then again, I recognized that you bring that back through questions. Not so much that I've got to read your body language and tone of voice, because I every time I look at you, I'm looking at a picture, and it keeps smiling. You keep smiling, so everything I say, you're enjoying, which I appreciate. <laughs> yeah, so that's the big been the biggest difference for me.
0: Yeah, no, but I'm smiling. I look very positive though. <laughs> yeah, funny, I, I felt that because as, as a coach, I like that personal connection, and as a speaker as well. I like being on stage and seeing the energy from people. and I was and I remember going through it, and all of a sudden the speaking gigs were just being shut after you know straight after each other, and within I think it was in about two months, all my speaking gigs for the year, and probably actually the next. Well, we're probably looking in September, no October, probably now. Um, just disappeared, and it was how do I bring, how do I bring that energy and personality to it? And y- y- you're right, it's it's the fear is there, but actually once you start doing it, and as long as there is, the, the, I think the hardest thing is is when people are watching on Zoom, they don't interact as much. They may ask the questions. Um, sometimes because they're not shy about sticking the hand up in the back of the room like they would be in live. But um, it, you just – the good thing is you're not paying attention to that one bloke in the whole thing that's nodding his head, not liking your talk. So that's one of the great things with having a digital platform. But, but you do miss certain things that, that I thought, oh, that's it. But it just comes – as you say, is, is you can feed off – the conversation tonality that you know body not necessarily well body language in the sense of when you see someone but obviously not when it's a rather debonair photograph of myself um but you know so it's just those sort of things but yeah it's, it's been a really interesting and I suppose the final question is is what what strategies are working for you right now in generating sales if Obviously, when you've got with technology taking over more things, is there any particular strategy that seems to work for you?
1: I just I go back to networking. I think it's yeah, I think it's you can you can get lost trying to chase that golden coin, you know, and and trying to find that next client and that next job as opposed to. Developing yourself so that the next whatever the next is, it exceeds your expectations and it's not going to if you're not doing the the personal development, if you're not taking that time out for yourself.
0: I'm just, I'm just thinking is when we're looking at that photo, I wish I did have hair like that because I've got COVID hair. I look like, I like Michael J. Fox and Family Ties at the minute.
1: So, so it's, a very, it's a very nice picture, Jeff.
0: <laughs> For those of you who don't know, Michael J. Fox is in Family Ties, you're showing your age, or I'm showing mine, That's actually. Right. There you so, go, there you so, go. Um, we're, we're at the end of the show, um, and the floor is now yours for you to share how people can find out more about you. Tell us a little bit about your podcast, and um, please take it away.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you. My my podcast is called Mindset Playbook, Larry Olson, and you can get it on all the mediums. Uh, it's all about what leaders are going through. And just any type of individual that has something interesting to share that that. Has not is not unwilling to talk about the setbacks in their lives and what the plays were that got them out of that. And most people don't really know what those are until they're asked to think back in their life and they begin to recognize, well, I did do that and I did do that. And then the other element is um, going to my website, which is aperneo.com, A-P-E-R-N-E-O. Um, you also, uh, I've got a book that I think you'll find fascinating. And... Um, it just gives you an opportunity to find out a little more about uh, what I've been doing, and we're redoing the pod, and redoing the website. Unfortunately, it seems like every two, three years, that's a, a process that one needs to do. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, it's, it's, yeah, it's
0: like it's like the it's like the virtual version of having yeah, to
1: buy a new CD. Right. Suit. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, and none of it's ever cheap. That's always a. No, no, at all. No, you've always... No, absolutely. Absolutely. But just keep it sophisticated enough where you can't, qu- can't quite do it yourself. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yes. And it's, it's flat lapels one year and it's something else another. But um, brilliant. Thank you so much, Larry. I have really enjoyed our conversation and just
1: want to wish you the greatest success. Well, thank you so much. Right back at you, Jeff.
0: So first of all, just let me say a massive thank you for joining me today. It's lovely to know that you're out there listening and it's great to have the emails that I get from you with suggestions about the show and what you think about the show, that's really nice. Really does help me make the show even better. If you'd like to find out more about me and the types of services I offer or my social media links, then please visit www.jeffnicholson.uk. You can also join us on the Facebook page, just search for Success IQ Podcast and that's a new page that we've put up that I'm trying to grow and develop. So you can tune in and find us on other stations such as Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio and of course iTunes and if you have the time it would be great if you could pop over there, leave a rating, leave a review because it really does help me grow the show and make the impact that I'm really looking for. So just to say, I hope you have a fantastic week. I wish you the greatest success and I look forward to speaking to you next week. Take care.